Attention! Welcome to the Film Mages Podcast, where the popcorn is our ammunition, the couch is our foxhole, and the cinema is our place of worship. Now let me see your war face! What was your what was the best gift you got for, for Christmas? Oh man, other dude, than my so friendship. many of them. Oh, that that's really the gift that keeps it's, on taking. It's isn't hard it? hard to beat. I gotta say, hard to beat. Ugh. Well, so for the listeners listening to this, um, I actually am in Oregon right now. I am I am I'm coming in remotely on this episode, and I am. Yeah, this is something. I'm probably something right. that may happen more. Yeah, I'm probably at least 600. May, I don't know exactly how long, how far away. I'm 600 at least miles away, and I somehow have gotten to the uh, to the episode before <laughs> our co-host Alexis, who is running what? Uh, yeah. How late now is it? Uh, an hour and seven minutes from an when hour we and seven initially late. said we were. Gonna... I got here first. This yeah, is I'm. Uh, I'm looking at. I'm looking at Mick on Zoom, and he's looking fucking cozy as all hell. I am wearing my sweater, my one of three sweaters. Yeah. This is my second out of three, and it's very comfy. Yes. So I've got a, I've got a question about that. What's going on? Ah, uh, there it is. I was, I thought you were gonna wait until yeah. Alexis got here to do the what's going on, but fuck it. No, absolutely not. we be waiting not. here for another twenty <laughs> minutes. It. Yeah. What is going yeah. on? Okay. <laughs> what is going on? Well, sure. We're recording on to to date ourselves. Where, uh, which would be such a treat. I know. Um, I'm already dating myself, and I have to say, folks yeah. at home, I highly recommend it. Highly recommend. Very satisfied. It is very, very satisfying. satisfying. I know all my ins and outs. Yeah. There's no guesswork. Every crook and cranny. <laughs> anyway, so we're recording on. December 15th at 4 p.m., which means that in eight and a half hours-ish, I will be seated at the Universal CityWalk AMC to experience James Cameron's Avatar The Way of Water in glorious IMAX 3D. When will Uh, will this happen? uh, At 12.30 a.m.? Yep. What day? Oh, dark thirty today, or oh. technically tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Wait, so that's tonight. You're going to go see this tonight. Yes. Wow. Uh, I a couple of my friends are coming over here to rewatch the first Avatar. Oh, that's on mixed glorious large television. And I, we're gonna head straight to the AMC. You know, I as you know, I bought tickets for both Alexis and I, and she ducked out because she legit does not want to see this film. And I offered to her, like, do you want to rewatch the original just to prime ourselves for it? And she looked at me like I had just broken the neck of a young rabbit or something. She was so distraught and appalled by the fact that I would ask her if she ever wanted to rewatch the original Avatar. Um, so, you, you know what, That's Zach? I, I hate so to say up. this, but I'm jealous. I wish I was there. I wish I was enjoying Of course you Avatar. are. I wish you were here, too, but I, <laughs> I see you. I, I see, see you. you, Jake Sully. Oh, God. <laughs> You know, I'm so, Jake Sully from the Jarhead Clan. Of the Jarhead Clan, that's right. You forget which side you're playing for. Uh, I can't wait for it. I'm so excited. I, I'm gonna. I must tell you. I think. Think I'm gonna blue myself before I you're go. Gonna bl- I you're know. gonna blow yourself, or you blew yourself? Excuse me. <laughs> blue myself. You're gonna I'm blue gonna yourself. Blue There's a difference. <laughs> yeah. 
There's a difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, Much like Tobias Fudke. Yes. You know, I have to say, the initial reactions to Avatar The Way of Water obviously were overwhelmingly positive, but I did see the new New York, Glowing. New York Times that said that it's, that it's extravagant and gorgeous, but forgettable. Similar to the first one. So I, I am curious. Wow. Now we're starting you know, to get reviews that are coming in from both sides. So I am curious to see where I land, but I will undeniably be seeing I've it been, theater. you know, for years and years, I've been sold a bill of goods that yeah. Avatar is so forgettable. But we keep talking no, about we, how we forgettable do. it is. We do. We keep quoting We keep it. talking about how everybody's forgotten. Yeah. No one remembers any of the characters like Jake Sully. Yeah. Hmm. I honestly interesting. Seems like you remember Jake Sully. Yeah, I honestly, I'll be honest, I don't remember that much about it other than we are not in Kansas anymore. We are on Pandora. Everything that flies, crawls, or squats behind that fence wants to kill you or eat your eyes for jujubes. We have an eat indigenous population called the Navi. They're fond of arrows dipped in a neurotoxin that will stop your heart in one minute. And they have a bone structure <laughs> with naturally occurring carbon fiber. They're very hard to kill. As head of security, it's my job to keep you alive. I will not succeed. Not with all of you. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't remember that much about it. Yeah, you don't remember the, any of the iconic monologue from Colonel Miles Quaritch. <laughs> Dude, I still can't believe I worked with him. I, I've yeah, been, Mick, uh, yeah, I've been Mick looking back with on Mr. all Stephen the actors Lang. that I have worked with this year, and Stephen Lang... Or slang. For those of you who don't know, he goes by slang. He per- he prefers that you call That's him so slang cool. to his face. That's so fucking cool. Yeah. When I first saw him on set, he walked in. He was kind of crouched over. I was like, oh, no, Stephen Lang is getting old. And then they yelled cut. And he immediately, like, perked up. And I realized, oh, no, he's just in character. And he took off, like, his raincoat or, or whatever. And he was wearing a tank top underneath. And you can see this man is still ripped. This man. Jacked. The only way you can kill him is by throwing a spear into his heart. Oh, wait, no. That's actually that a massive arrow. It. That doesn't even do it because he's still alive. So I don't know he's how that, you kill this baby. man. Maybe with a turkey baster. Oh. Uh, yeah, I had a similar experience last year working on a commercial that J.K. Simmons was on. That's right. It was a farmer's insurance thing. Yeah. Yes, it was a farmer's insurance thing, and he's wearing a suit the whole time. And then right. at the end of the day, like way off in the distance, I kind of see someone and it's through a car window. So I can like see, I can't see their head, but I can just see a tank top and like giant arms. Right. And then I hear someone go, hey, have a good one, JJ. And then he walks out from behind the car and JJ, Jake, or have a good one, JK. I called him JJ. You call him JJ, I'm sure. <laughs> J. Jonah <Well>. Jameson. <laughs> he would have fucking killed me. I'm sure. Uh yeah, well, it was also like 120 degrees that oh, day. Oh yeah, for sure. If I had if I had busted out my J. Jonah Jameson impression, I think he would have just fucking snapped me like oh, a Oh, probably. Yeah. Who do you think would win in a my mindfully a, a gentlemanly bout of fisticuffs? Would it be J.K. Simmons or J.J. Simmons or Stephen Lang? Who do you think would Ooh. win? Stephen Lang seems like he has more reach. I don't JK know if Simmons I agree is, with that. His arms is he, aren't super is long. Stephen Lang, how tall is Stephen Lang? Uh, this is a good I, conversation to you have. Can let's probably, let's you, keep filling the airways. People can Google this, and it will probably prove me wrong. But if I had to guess, I would say 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, okay, so 
J.K. Simmons is probably around the same. I think J.K. Simmons might pull it out because, like, I might be with you, and I, I don't know if you yeah, ask me why. Maybe it's because I haven't met him yet, but he he terrifies me. Stephen Lang, I sort of look up to, which is not good at all. It's probably a red flag, but yeah, J.K. Simmons kind of scares me a little bit, and I still haven't seen Whiplash, so. I don't know. Oh, see, there was a point on that shoot where uh, a grid like came down. It wasn't secured properly, and it oh, came good. down near J.K. Simmons. JJ? And I saw a look on his face that I have only seen in the movie Whiplash, <laughs> and I was so scared. That's awesome. I was so like he was very nice to work with. He yeah. was. Uh, it was when mask restrictions were loosening and I was working in the COVID department on this job. Yeah. And he was like very intense about like everybody mask up. You're right. Um, right, right. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So loosening the I, restrictions. Ridiculous. When I worked with Stephen Lang, it was raining heavily. We were filming this very emotional scene out in the woods of Mill Valley, California. And I'm there walking. Uh, I've, I think I've told you this story already, but the listeners haven't heard. it. I'm walking with him with an umbrella over his head. And someone asked me over walkie, uh, are you traveling with uh, Steven? And I go into walkie saying, yes, I'm traveling with Party Crasher. And he turns around, he slowly turns around and gets this smile on his face and goes, did you just call me Party Crasher? For those of you who don't know, Stephen Lang played a character called Party Crasher in a James Woods um, And what's the name of the guy who was in? Michael J. Fox. Thank you, Michael J. Fox film in the 80s called The Hard Way. And Stephen Lang plays a character who's basically a terrorist. And he plays the character of the party crasher. And he's absolutely balls to the walls insane in that film. Not a great movie, but a great character. And when he heard me say that, he turned around and he just looked so elated. And he's like, no one's called me that for years. And he said it like party crasher. So then we're going down to say, we're talking about that character and how he wishes that film had received more acclaim than it did. And he's there ready to do the scene and he's waiting for sound. He's waiting for camera. He's waiting for all of the logistical elements to line up so that he can do this take because he's waiting in the cold rain. And, you know, he's waiting kind of patiently until he just kind of turns around and looks at everybody and goes, let's go. Like really Sorry. The dogs are and he says that like three feet from my face because I'm there holding the umbrella over him. And I, Stephen Lang turning around and just yelling, let's go to my face. Uh, God. It thrilled I, you. I needed new shorts. I, it was. Oh, Jesus Christ. You're looking at a man well, who just got who just got us. <laughs> Zach, what have you seen lately? What, what are some movies you want to talk about? Uh, well, last night, Enrique showed me World War Z, and of all the movies I've seen, that that's was one, one of them. them. Yep. Audio-visual stimuli abounds. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Actors appear on kind the screen. Of. I think you're being generous. <laughs> uh, no, it's fine. You know, yeah. I'm going to forget about it. Uh, the other film that I saw is I saw Brendan Fraser in The Whale. Oh, wow. Did you and Alexis see and, that together? No, I oh. uh, I had to see that in the middle of a day where I was driving around COVID testing a whole bunch of people. Oh, I had okay. like a three hour break. Yeah, I I had a ton of work at the beginning of the week. Uh, what did you think like, of it? Oh, I have this. I did not like it. I you think it's a bad movie. Didn't, really? 
You think, I think it's a it bad movie? Bad. Okay, I, I think Brendan Fraser I can't speak does everything he can. Uh, something that did not help my experience with The Whale is, one, I already have a hard time with movies that are adaptations of plays. Oh, is this a kitchen sink drama? This is a kitchen sink drama. Uh. I feel that those uh, tend to be very uncinematic. Right. Uh, not that you can't set a movie in a single location and have it be interesting, but I just like twelve tend to angry find men, very, for example. T- t- twelve angry men is kind of the exception of a movie right. that I think does that well. But I think a lot of the time, the dialogue that might work in a theater does not work on screen. Mm. Um, and I definitely felt that way about the whale. The other thing that hurt my experience of it was oh. Oh, I think I see Alexis. Oh, oh Alexis is finally here. Is she? Hi. is she coming? Is she going to be here? Nope. I'm watching the door. Here it comes. Could it be? Any minute. Oh, God. This is going to be great for the listeners. Let's <laughs> just yeah! Is she finally there? She's here. Oh, my God. Hello, Alexis. Well, at least she got here quickly. <laughs> oh, come on, man. Uh, yeah, we're oh, we're recording. Yeah, Alexis, we're 16 minutes into our episode already. She cannot hear you because you're on headphones. Oh, really? Oh, well, she yeah. can hear me when she's editing this. <laughs> yeah, she'll hear it when when she edits. Mick is being a dick already, Alexis. Uh, this is a, I've I've got his headphones in. If you want to just have a seat and. Hop right into our recording. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No one's in the hot seat today. That's great. <laughs> Are you bringing chips with you? Is she is she gonna be eating during this? God, boy, she she really makes an entrance, doesn't she? Hell fucking yeah. Oh my god. Rolls in an hour late with two bags of chips. That's big dog. That's was, big daddy moves. I was I was packing. <laughs> Say hello to Mick. Oh, there she is. Uh Alexis Miss you too. is for our listeners giving Mick the finger. Wow. That didn't take long, uh, did it? Ugh. Uh, uh, I was just discussing my experience watching the whale. Yes. Uh, which you couldn't have waited. I literally, I, I was the one who wanted to know. We've waited forty-five <laughs> minutes, Alexis. We've waited forty-five <laughs> minutes. At a certain point, you just got to go into it, and anyone can respect that. Whatever. Just, I was doing adult shit, like editing the podcast, and you know, doing an invoice, and also packing for my trip to home. Wow. Are you excited to go home? Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna watch some movies with my family. <laughs> wow, already stuffing right. her face, and she's a minute into it. She's on brand. Oh my god. Um, yeah. So I, I didn't really like the whale. I talked a little bit about how I'm just often very lukewarm on kitchen sink dramas that get adapted to film. Mm-hmm. Um. But another thing that hurt it was while I was working, I was listening to the Variety Writers Roundtable with like Jordan Peele, Mark McDonough, everybody. Jordan Poole, yeah. Um, yeah, Jordan Poole. And uh, one thing that Martin McDonough said when he was talking about when he was writing his first feature 
is uh, that he wanted to avoid making a playwright's film, which is, as you right. put it, something that's incredibly wordy. And it's two hours of people sit, sipping on tea and nothing fucking happens. Is that what Martin McDonough said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's like, that's, that's what I'm trying to avoid as a playwright making a movie. Yeah. And that's what I felt about The Whale. Incredibly wordy dialogue that doesn't really fit in a film and nothing fucking happens for two hours. Uh, Brendan Fraser does give a very solid and committed performance. I just think no what about, one... What about Sadie Sink? She's okay. Mm. I just feel like he's not really helped by anyone, particularly mm-hmm. the director and whoever adapted the screenplay. Bummer. Um, Sadie I was Sink, I would say, to that one. Is, Sadie Sink does turn in some good work. I think she there's a lot of dialogue that she has where I'm like, I don't know how anybody's pulling that off. Do you mean like the dialogue itself is unbelievable? Yes, it it yeah, it feels very much like I am going to say everything that I am feeling and subtext is for cowards. Interesting. Uh, okay. So it's a bad yeah, script so, is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, it's a bad script that I think is made worse by being a movie. I think it might have worked a little bit better <laughs> yeah. as a play. Interesting. No, I, yeah, no. As soon as Zach said he he did not like it, I knew that I like had to go see it because I tend to kind of dig kitchen sink dramas. Same here, quite a bit. So. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Alexis. As soon as I read your thing, Zach, on Letterbox, and I was like, oh, he hates it. Why does he hate it? That's too bad. Oh. It's like a kitchen sink drama. I will have to check this out because I, I sometimes, not always, but I sometimes will enjoy those. But who yeah, knows, Zach? I, I might uh, be with you on this one. If, if you like a kitchen sink drama, you might get more mileage out of it than I did. But yeah. I, uh, I really did not enjoy it. There is one exception to that rule, right? Shiva, baby. That's, well, but that's, that's written. It was, is that adapted from a play? I have no idea. Because I think that's... But it's like definitely a kitchen sink drama well, in some ways. I, I have nothing against a movie that's all set in one location. Mm-hmm. I just think that when it's a screenplay that basically just takes the script of a play mm-hmm. where, you know, playwriting is very much a writer's medium. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the word on the page is what the thing is, whereas film... Right. is a visual medium. Mm-hmm. The writer is not the sort of end-all, be-all of what a film is. Um, I think that there's sometimes kind of a disconnect between those two things. Yeah. You're How saying sometimes the writer stifles everything Oh, we were recording else. for a good 15 minutes. Jesus Christ. We talked a lot about Stephen Lang. Yeah. Yeah, we, we covered Alexis, quite a lot, which was nice, what actually. What have you watched? What have I watched? Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna be totally thousand percent honest. That's what we come here for. Great. I don't think I've watched anything. That's I, incorrect. Uh, but something that we didn't cover last time that me and Mick did watch was Terms of Endearment. Um, oh. We 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 totally he watched that movie for the first time and we didn't even fucking like really talk about it at all. And yeah. What's going on? But we yeah. really liked it. Really good uh, movie. I really enjoyed Terms, in Terms of, of Endearment. Endearment. That's a great uh, so Jack Shirley Nicholson McLean, character. Deborah Winger and um, Jack Nicholson. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's his name? Fuck me sideways. What is his goddamn name? Jeff Daniels. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. It is. Wait, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm just Daniels. throwing out a name. Is it Jeff Daniels? 
Well, it depends on which character you're talking about. But yes, Jeff Daniels is in it. Flap. That's yeah, his that's name Jeff in the Daniels. Movie. Yeah. Flap. Wow. <laughs> that wow. was a good guess. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Have you seen it, Zach? <laughs> Never. Wow. It's good. It's a good film. Yeah. We finally got to see the a... Shirley MacLaine freak out in the hospital. So, like, if so, to contextualize, the opening shot is of Shirley MacLaine as a mother, presumably in her late to early 30s, maybe, um, going into her baby's room because she's afraid that the baby is dead because she's not making any noise. And she's like, she's not breathing. She's not breathing. And so she literally starts to kind of climb into the bassinet a little bit and starts to kind of shake the baby until the baby starts crying. And then she goes, oh, no, she's fine. She's fine. And then walks out of the room without comforting the baby. And then you flash forward um, like a good like seven years. And uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's about like a mother-daughter relationship. And it's also about... Um, their own separate lives as they like go forward, you know, and you know, her daughter grows up and out of the house and blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll have to check that out. Shirley it's another, McLean it's another so great, great Jack Nicholson performance. He's so good. At oh, it. Yeah. He's so good at playing a prick, but you're almost kind of rooting for him at the same time. You can't help it. Mm -hmm. uh, you always are. Yeah. There's yeah. this, he always has all of these super, super, uh, young girlfriends because he's a middle aged man. And there's this great scene where he's walking with like, okay, four but he's not just girl. a middle aged man. He's also and an astronaut. Shirley MacLaine is like, oh, like astronaut. they're so cute together. But God, you know, she's way too old for him. Great fucking line. Do we have anything else going on? Yes. Uh, well, Alexis and Nick, I actually watched, uh, uh, A League of Their Own. Now, something else that she watched oh, recently that, that she forgot still. about. I've only seen bits of it. It's a good film. Oh, yeah, we did watch that. It's a really good film. It actually made us both cry, surprisingly. I was not expecting that one. Yeah. Uh, it passed the mic test for me, for sure. Uh, when did I? When did we cry, exactly? Towards the end, when uh, basically when uh, you see them all as older ladies again at the, at the uh, Hall of Fame mm -hmm. kind of area. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah. Uh, Having worked with Gina Davis, I was very lucky to work with her. Uh, she mentioned to me that after this movie came out, she apparently was workshopping a script called Little League of Their Own, where she was going to come back as a coach and teach these little girls baseball. Uh, and no one ever Aww. liked the script enough to ever make it a thing. But apparently that was going to be the unofficial sequel. Oh, man. That would have been so cute. That would have been really I'd cute, right? That. I would have definitely watched it. Yeah. Oh, um, man. Yeah, so we watched that. Uh, another movie I watched actually was uh, Devotion. That oh, that the Colin Powell uh, Jonathan Majors. I almost went to go see that last night, but then I was too tired. It, it I gotta say, guys, it's a solid film. It is really good. Um, it I don't want to say too much about it, but it offers a very interesting critique of the white savior complex or trope, however you want to say it. When you watch it, you'll know exactly what I mean. I don't want to give too much away because I think you need to go into it fresh, but obviously it's based on a true story. It passed the MIG test for me. It has, uh, I don't know if either of you will care about it or if any of our listeners will care about it, but it has spectacular aviation photography. Just like <laughs> I Top knew Gun exactly what the fuck you were going to goddamn say. There's I was going to say, it's the planes, right? It's the planes. It's just, <laughs> just like Top Gun Maverick, <laughs> what they did was they just planes, took trains, real planes and, automobiles. and they put cameras to them and they went up and they shot it. Now, obviously, there's CGI in it, 
but it it looks really really gorgeous. Glenn Powell and Jonathan Majors are a team up of actors that I did not know I needed. They are they are such a good uh, 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 but they're such good buddies in this film. It really really works. It's a buddy movie. Huh? I think it's a buddy movie. It's a buddy movie. It's a buddy movie. Okay, shit. That's all you have to say. I, uh, I w- was it was it when we were watching A League of Their Own that you said something about the locomotive? You said that's a really nice locomotive. Yes, or I did. Something, and yes. I was just like, <laughs> Hey, I love I love planes, trains, and automobiles, folks. You've heard it here. He loves yes. transportation. Yes. I he do sure love transportation. Is there a white claws? Yeah. All right. Look, Alexis. Look. Uh, even I have white claws over here. You got to have one. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by White Claw. It's the law. Yeah, sure. Why not? Why not, right? Hey, Mick, I have a a transportation question for you. Yes. How do you feel about boats? Uh, They're okay. You're okay? You don't love boats. I don't love boats. They're probably my least favorite of all transportation. That and tricycles. Those are just ridiculous. You don't like a tricycle? Yeah. Well, but, like, you know. You know, I will like I will have wheel. to say, though, I have an interesting story. So I saw Devotion with my folks in the theater, and I go in, I sit in the theater, and all of the ads, the local ads that they play before the official coming attractions come in, all have this really obnoxious, distracting green tint to them. And I'm going, okay, the, obviously there's something wrong with this projector, but sometimes when they switch from the local ads to the coming attractions, they switch projectors entirely. So I'll wait until the coming attractions come. Then the coming attractions come, and it's still really green. Everything looks like the Matrix. And I'm starting to panic. I'm like, okay, I spent money on this movie ticket. This is a movie that takes place over the Pacific Ocean. I don't want it to be green. And then the production studio logos start coming in after the trailers finish, and everything is still green. So I hop up. I run out, I speak to the employees at the theater, and I go, you need to speak to the projectionist because the projector is having issues. It's tinted far too green. And they go, oh, yeah, we've heard about that. Uh, Let me go speak to the manager, and hopefully we'll have it fixed soon. So I go back. The movie's beginning. And the crowd is not super thick. There's a few people in in the audience, but I'm sitting next to my parents. And then this employee that I spoke to walks into the theater, and the movie just stops. And he goes, I'm so sorry, everybody. Uh, we're going to have to shut down this projector for about a minute because of the green tinting. So we thank you, everybody, for your patience. And so he walks out, and the screen is just black. And we're all just kind of waiting there. And my father goes, what happened? He has trouble hearing. My mother goes, oh, uh, the, the movie was green. Mick didn't like it. Mick did not like it. So, so the movie stopped. And my dad goes, what? And my mother goes, Mick broke the movie. He didn't like it. Our son stopped the film. Like so loud, everyone in the theater can hear it. So people are starting to like look up at me and be and just kind of like making eyes. I even hear a couple comment like, well, there goes our dinner reservation because it's taking far more than a minute for them to gear up the projector again. And then my dad goes, how long is this going to take? My mother goes, the guy said about a minute. He goes, what guy? She says, the guy that walked into the theater. He said it was a minute. And my dad goes, it's been more than a minute. What's wrong with it being green? It's the army, for God's sakes. And I go, no, it's the <laughs> Navy. It's blue. <laughs> I think 
The Zoom call is going to end. I think that's a fantastic place to hang up the Zoom call and get out of what's going on. Great. I'm definitely going to go see that. I'm going to take my dad to go see that movie. My dad is an action-oriented man. Okay. So. He loves action and a tragic romance? He loves action. He loves tragic romance. He loves a comedic romance. Um, he did not love the Fablemans. It is too artsy for him. <laughs> Steven <laughs> that wasn't, Spielberg. That was the, not exactly what he said, but that is what he meant. <laughs> that's, that was the vibe he was putting out. Well, he was. He said he went to go see it with my mom and my sister. Um, I always think it's really funny when like my dad and my mom go out and do things because they've been divorced for uh, 20 years now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's always funny when he's like, yeah, well, I went with your mother and, you know, your sister and we went to go see a movie and, you know, the movie was okay. You know, that's, it's not really my thing. You, you know what my thing is. I'm like, yeah, I know what your thing is. He's like, yeah, you know, I like, you know, action, you know, you know, you know what I like. And I'm like, yeah, dad, I know what you like. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right, and we're back. We're out of what's going on, and uh, let's get into our big topic. What's our big topic? Our big topic, as pitched in our group chat, I believe, is great British performances by American actors. That's right. Uh, And I have a sneaking suspicion that Mick and I are going to have the same answer. Uh, I I wonder though. I wonder. You might be close, but I I have a backup just in case we have the same answer. Okay. Well, I'll drop my answer. Okay. And my answer is Mr. Robert Downey Jr. Jr. and Guy Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes. Holmes. Yes, that yeah, was yeah, going to yeah. be my answer too. Of course, that oh. was going to be your answer. There is no better <laughs> yeah. answer than Sherlock is, Holmes. Yeah. Uh, in my mind, the definitive Sherlock Holmes. Yes, I agree. Is Mr. Robert Downey Jr. and that's. You know, that might be a little blasphemous to say, but I think yeah. uh, he really captures... I mean, Robert Downey Jr., I would say, always has sort of a smarmy quality to him. Yes, that's that why you translate things. really well to a arrogant British detective who is smarter than everyone else and knows it. Yes. Like... Yeah, that that is what makes him such a good choice to play Sherlock Holmes. And yes, for He's... my money, like between him as Tony Stark and him as Sherlock Holmes, I would have much rather gotten like ten, 10 movies, movies with him as Sherlock Holmes. Oh, I know. He's fucking I, great in it. I wish there were more films that we were getting from him more than just three. But yeah, you know, the first time I saw it, I wasn't entirely convinced. Just you know, from from a. Uh, from a dialect point of view, how much he was nailing the British accent until even to this day, I still have my doubts, but I don't know. He's just such a great British character that I do not think of him when I'm watching him as an American actor trying his best at a British, uh, British accent. It just, he makes it his own. He's absolutely goofy. He's absolutely narcissistic. It's, uh, I love the little colloquialisms that he has. Uh, he absolutely nails it. My backup was going to be another, you know, over-the-top character, which was going to be Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow. Um, oh, yeah. That's which I think, one. which is a good one, but I do agree. I think Robert Downey Jr., uh, you know, casting him as the famous 
British detective Sherlock Holmes was a bold choice, but man, it pays off. I love it's it. Great to t- I really love it. It's great to take something away from them. Yes, yes, it is because always- so often it's British actors playing American characters, and it's nice yeah, that every t- now and then Batman you get to turn it around on them twice. Yeah. Twice in my life, in my lifetime, they've taken Batman away from us. That's right. They took Superman away from us, which that's another thing going on. Henry Cavill's not coming back at Superman. Oh, uh, I'm so sad. Man, that's sarcasm. Uh, I'm playing the world's yeah. smallest violin right now, and it's so tiny you can't even hear it. Yeah. Damn. Uh, yeah. So I think that that is a pretty great performance by an American playing a Brit. Yes. Yeah, oh, Wait, I got a question. Was Peter Sellers British or is he American? Oh, I don't know. Right? This is We should know this. I think he's British. I think is he's he British. British. Yes. Okay, I'm he pretty is British. Sure. Oh, oh, here's here's another one. Uh-huh. Uh Alan Tudyk in A Knight's Tale. I yeah, you've seen it. Yeah. I have not seen that, but I'm the article that I'm reading right now. It talks about Alex <laughs> oh, doing a I love it. Alexis is looking up answers, so she has one for her. That's great. Yeah. Fuck off. I I had an answer, but it's for the movie that we're watching. Yeah. So we watch, so. Well, then why can't that be your answer? That should just segue segue us in. That's the segue. That will. That's be, gonna be she's the segue. Saving it to be the segue. Oh my goodness. I always want a segue. It's Call okay. her Paul Blart because she needs yeah, a segue. I was gonna make a segue joke too. <laughs> we're like on the vibe right now. Yeah, because we're in the same place. Yeah, you're feeling in the same each room. other's energy. Yeah, <laughs> finally. Uh, <laughs> No, Alan Todick is, um, I think his name in that is like, oh, it starts with a W. It's like w- Went or something. Like it's some weird old timey British name. And he plays, uh, for those of you who don't know, the premise of A Knight's Tale is Heath Ledger plays a squire who disguises himself as a nobleman and enters a jousting competition. It's a medieval sports movie. It's very fun. I still haven't uh, seen that. You haven't? I've Nick, never... I really think you would love a night. I probably like would. You, you particularly. I really would like to see it. We should, yeah. yeah. When when we're all in the same place again, we should make a point to watch a night's tale. Let's okay. do it. Um, but yeah, he has a line where he's threatening to kick the shit out of Paul Bettany and he goes, if you don't do what we need you to do, it's going to be Pain, lots and lots of pain. <laughs> it's he's he is incredible. In that movie is so fucking fun. Alan Tudyk um, is one of the all-time great character actors. Yes, he really is. Yeah, uh, I've seen him in a bunch of things. He's in yes, so much yeah, he's, stuff. He's the he only robot that has I, ever really made me cry in iRobot. When he asks, when he's finally being oh, put yeah. out of commission. He plays the robot. He put, he's the one who says what? when he gets put out of commission, Alan Tudyk goes, "Will it hurt?" And then she holds his hand. I actually tear up. A goddamn machine going out of commission. I think that's tearing up a fucking eye robot. I mean, yeah, it's sad. Okay, I, I love AI. I, I always, I, I don't know, I empathize with AI quite a bit. Well, yeah, no, I I do too, but like, you know, not in iRobot because I don't think that movie's good. <laughs> Yeah, I don't well, know if it's a good film. I but. don't know if it's a great movie, but I know I really liked watching it as a kid. <laughs> it it, has, enough, it has Shia LaBeouf saying ass hot spankable spoon in it. So, you know, 
not when brilliant. Does he say that? I don't like you, that. You don't remember when Shia does he LaBeef? Say that? You remember him in that movie? Shia LaBeef? He plays the kid. Yeah. Did you just say Shia LaBeef? Yeah, Shia LaBeef plays the kid in iRobot where Will Smith said, stop cussing because you're not good at it. Wow. You? Dead <laughs> air. Man, I gotta rewatch this movie. I definitely don't remember that. Dead I'm so air. glad that we've gotten to your extensive knowledge of iRobot. Hey, yeah, I really love that We're film finishing the kid. year out strong. Oh my god. Um, yeah, so another performance by an American playing a Brit, which I don't particularly love this movie, but I want to know your guys' feelings on it. Mm-hmm. How do you guys feel about Shakespeare in Love? Uh, I haven't seen it. I mean, I feel lukewarm about the movie, but I think that Gwyneth Paltrow does a good accent in it. There we go. Yeah. Wow. Oh, he's Steve the Pirate. That's why I keep thinking of him from Dodgeball. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of... I know his face so well. Speaking of things that it all comes back to, (laughs) apparently this podcast always comes back to fucking Dodgeball. Dodgeball, yeah. Um, my answer, I have a couple answers, but my first one would be Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow and also as Sweeney Todd because he does the British accent in, you know, obviously Pirates, but then he does like a Cockney accent in Sweeney Todd, um, and sings in it too. So, you know, I always thought it was impressive. He sings Um, in British. That's impressive. The British don't sing in British and that's fucked up of them. That's why, (laughs) that's why I think they're fucking pretending. (laughs) They're faking it, and they know it. Oh, you know, you know a what? Little story, though. Sorry, Alexis, you go first, and I have something. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> so, a good little story is a uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. Um, she was in that movie Hugo, which was a Scorsese movie. Yes, right. Yeah. And when they were originally casting for that movie, Scorsese very specifically said, "Only audition British." actresses and so what did she do she pretended she was british she even gave herself a backstory and when people would ask her questions she would like she made up this whole lie about her life in cotswolds or some fucking place in britain i don't fucking remember what she said but she made she was like 11 years old and she made up this story and she fooled scorsese into thinking that she was a british child and it wasn't until halfway through filming that like she started talking in her american accent and he was like wow that's so convincing and she was like actually funny story that's really <laughs> and at funny. that point he just like he just had to laugh because he was like that's fucking funny he got me <laughs> yeah he, he got fucking me got me <laughs> Got got. Uh, I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, oh man, I have to give some. I have to give one. some oh. honorable mentions really quickly. Uh, honestly, I, I have a I have a whole cast worth of honorable mentions. So honestly, the the British themselves have actually credited these actors I'm about to name as being some of the most convincing British accents they've ever heard from American people, and that is okay. Christopher one, Guest, Dick Van Dyke, Christopher Mary Guest, and Michael McKean <gasps> from Spinal Tap. Those are convincing oh, yeah. British accents. Oh my never, God! Where even British people it. themselves I have thought said they were British. Food. Yeah, yeah, no, they're American actors. I just had to look up whether or not Christopher Guest was Canadian, but no, he's actually he's he's American. So if you have not wow. seen Spinal Tap yet, there we go. Please do. It's one of the best musical mockumentary things that you've ever seen it's, it's, it's a fantastic rob reiner film please check out this is spinal tap 
Uh, I'd like to shout out uh, Elijah Wood, Vigo Mortensen. Oh, yeah. And, Good choices. Uh, oh, my God. Why am I blanking on Sam's name? Sean, Sean Astin. 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 Thank you. I got it. Yes. I got it first. <laughs> yeah, I literally just watched like... Return of the King. Uh, mm, he's in Stranger it. Things as well, so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they all do very solid British they accents do. Yeah. in those movies. Uh, so, shouts out to them. Great. Uh, but, Alexis, who would your Yeah, Alexis, be? please, for the love of God, tell us your choice. Pop on the segue. Okay. Before we do the segue, I just want to do a quick little shout out to my girl, Frances McDormand, because she was in this movie in, like, I want to say, like, 2005 or 2007 or something with Amy Adams and goddamn fucking fine ass man Lee Pace. Whew, that man is enormous and he is so good looking. You brooding. He mouth. is a monolith of a man. He is a monolith. Oh my god! There's a movie of his called The Fall that I've always wanted to see, but it's like it's like fifty dollars to buy it just on DVD, like online. Oh damn! Yeah, yeah, I've heard that movie's good. Yeah, and like it's not available anywhere. <laughs> I think. Yeah, and I don't want to pirate it or anything, but you know, good for you, it Alexis. It is what it is. Anyways, I respect. So it's you called for that. Miss Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day, and uh, Frances McDormand plays Miss Pettigrew, and it is like the cutest little movie. I personally really like it. Um, but my, my cute little segue is, uh, Renee Zellweger. She plays an incredibly convincing British woman. So convincing that Hugh Grant himself is said to have not known she was American throughout most of the filming of Bridget Jones's Diary, 2001. Yes. Bridget Jones's Diary directed by, I believe, Susan McGuire. And starring yeah, Renee Zellweger, Hugh Grant, and uh, Mr. Colin Firth. And Alexis fucking bamboozled and tricked us and managed <laughs> to get us to watch Pride and Prejudice again. Because this, when yep. Colin Firth's character shows up and it's like, this is Mark Darcy, I was like, fuck yep, you. You know exactly what it was. <laughs> Wait, hold on, really quickly, really quickly. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, who have been living under a rock, Bridget Jones's Diary is about at the start of the new year, 32-year-old Bridget, played by Renee Zellweger, decides it's time to take control of her life and start keeping a diary. Now, the most provocative, erotic, and historical book on her bedside table is the one she is writing. With a taste of adventure and an opinion on every subject, from exercise to men to food to sex and everything in between, she's turning the page on a whole new life. Released April 13, 2001. I I both hate and love that synopsis. Yeah, I don't know how I feel reason. about that synopsis. I, yeah. yeah, it's whatever. But, I mean, it um, kind of it kind of covers what it is, but I think it misses out on on the uh, honestly on how ridiculous the film is. It really is a great comedy. It's so zany. It is it's, very. It's zany. a little quirky. It's a little quirky. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, I'd like to point out that my uh, thesis that there are only twenty British people continues to, to be bear right. fruit yeah. because Gemma, was it Gemma Jones? Uh, yes. Or I don't know if Gemma Jones was in something else that we watched, but Colin Firth was in, in Peter Taylor Soldier Spy. Jim Broadbent. Jim Broadbent. Uh, I don't know if he's been in anything that we've talked. I'm just talking about films that we've already oh, covered. Oh, the right. Okay. Colin Firth is in Tinker Taylor. Yeah. Hugh Grant is in The Gentleman, which yeah. is our first episode. Yeah. And Celia Imri uh, who's one of the older women in this movie, is in a cure for wellness. Oh, yes, oh, that's right. Like, yes. 
Yes. Oh wow. Uh, she plays. She's she's the one who like keeps bringing out that little booklet that is like yes, telling her him cro- the history. Oh, yeah, the one who's doing right, the crossword. Right, right. Oh, you're right. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. And wow. she plays uh, the the friend of Bridget's mother. Yeah. Um, she she's like, uh, oh, Pam, your gravy needs saving. <laughs> yeah. No, I wrote down Wonderful. that line. That's a good idea. I love that. <laughs> Ever saying that your gravy needs sieving is the most disgusting line. She's all, she's all, show so me much. more, you know, just stir it. Oh, I have to go, you know, lumpy gravy uh, and all. Yeah, literally. Yeah, I, I wrote down, there's a point where Bridget accidentally gets uh, twine in something that she's cooking. Oh, and, oh yeah, uh, the blue soup. Girl. Yeah, and Colin Firth says something about it being string soup, and I was like, that sounds like a real British dish. I believe that they eat that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so she she does like really good at this new job that she gets and she decides, hey, you know what? Somehow I'm fucking actually good at something. I suspect I may actually be a whiz at cooking too. And so she decides she's going to make some fucking weird shit from a cookbook that who the fuck even makes that? I like she she listed out what it was later on and I was like, nobody eats that. No one yeah. eats that. And she was looking for twine. She found some blue fucking string, and it and turned it the whole fucking everything. broth blue. That is so. Can you funny. imagine how much dye is probably in the soup that they were trying to dr- eat? I don't want. It's to. disgusting. <laughs> Quintessentially yeah. British, of course. And he made he made what was it? Oh yeah, the, the other thing that she made, and they were like, it actually reminds me of something. And the, her friend's like, marmalade. <laughs> marmalade. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh. Four uh, hours of careful cooking, and uh, all you have is blue soup, omelet, and marmalade. <laughs> Delicious. So, uh, Alexis, uh, I believe you, Mick, you hadn't seen this movie before, No, right? no I have. Oh, you have? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, what are your guys' histories with this movie? When did Alexis? When do you discover British 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 Jones's diary? I have no idea when I discovered it because I probably was only about like six or seven when this movie came out. Yeah, maybe maybe almost eight. So I probably saw it pretty early. It came out in two thousand one. I was three. Yeah, Yeah, so I was like seven or eight. No, I was probably seven. And uh, I'm going to be totally honest. Um, this movie has been like a DVD on my family's theme since like probably at least like 2003. It's and an Avicii This is kind of like a, it is. My mom fucking loves this movie like so much. Like she watches it every year, like at least once a year. I watch it at least once a year. <laughs> I told Mick, I was like, or no, I told you that, um, the very beginning where she's like shit faced and listening to sad FM easy listenings for the over thirties. Yes. And she's like singing along to all by myself. And she's doing like air drums and drinking like a bottle of wine. And I was like, every girl has fucking done this. Yeah. You see that every girl's done that. And you were like, that's kind of sad. And I yeah. was like, it is what it is. That's, that's why I really love that scene, especially because it's opening the whole film. Because you know there's some truth to that. You feel like the people who wrote this and captured this knew exactly what the fuck they were talking about. Because there's just something... I, this this goes on to why I think Renee Zellweger was perfect for this part. Even though it was originally... The first person that was at the top of their list was Tony Collette. And then it was Kate Ooh, Winslet. Ooh, that would have been good too. Kate Winslet and Tony Collette both would have been fantastic. But I think Renee Zellweger really nails this. 
because when you're witnessing yeah. that scene where the song all by myself and she you know she's doing yeah. the drums with the magazine you're just like god damn like i'm witnessing a real fucking woman right now and i i see you girl i i understand we've been there can i can i tell you a secret of What's course secret? my secret is I've watched this movie sad and drunk and literally reenacted that beginning scene <laughs> while I was watching that movie one time. Did it make you feel better? Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. It sure didn't. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I was still sad and drunk, she looked but in, I was like, that was kind of funny. She saw, like, what she, am I doing? She looked into the mirror and saw Renee Zellweger staring back at her, and she knew that something was wrong. Okay. Yeah, but I love that the next part right after that where she's like, I'm uh I'm starting a diary to tell the whole truth, like nothing but the truth about me, whatever, you know? And she says that she's not going to c- continue to re- uh, have romantic attachments to any of the following. And she lists Can I off, list like, that? Megalomania. Can I list yeah, it? Yeah, no, no, list it off. Here's the quote. Yeah. Oh, you have it? Yeah, I have it. Because I love this line. So it's one of my favorite parts of the whole film. So she says, all right. And then like, it's resolution number three. We'll find nice, simple boy to go out with and not continue to form romantic attachments to any of the following. Alcoholics, workaholics, commitment phobics, peeping toms, megalomaniacs, emotional fuckwits or perverts. And especially will not fantasize about a particular person who embodies all of these things. Cut to Hugh fucking Grant. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect. It's perfect. (laughs) She does end up in a relationship with, he Mm -hmm. cheats on her with an American and I have to say, he's right. Americans are more attractive than British people. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. Well, I mean, it's just kind of funny him. because Renee Zellweger herself is American. And she I is know. more attractive than the girl he goes for, which leads me to... That's Lara. My complaint about this Oh, film. yes. I loved my it. My complaint he has a good one. He has a good film. one. Uh-huh. Yeah. This film it's, comes it's, from the dark time of the early 2000s. Of the early 2000s. Where, where everyone we were told, was heroin chic. We were told <laughs> that... A nice, shapely ass and beautiful big titties are not to be desired. And that a woman who is like 136 pounds, oh, yeah, yeah, she yeah, says yeah. she is, is fat. It's, oh, what a, what a large, disgusting creature. And there's yeah. a shot, there's a point she's working at a news station where she is sliding down a fire pole yeah. and lands on a camera. Yeah. And like you see her butt and she's like, oh my God, it's so embarrassing. Which is so like, She hilarious. said she had an ass the size of Brazil. Which That's one? right. That's no, something else I wrote two, down. What's wrong with that? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, that's a good thing. I watch it now and I'm like, I, God damn, she has it going on. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep <laughs> playing that shit back. Sir, no, you know that Mr. Darcy was like, kind of look good to me oh, yeah. even, Mr. Darcy the, wants to cut a meat in the yeah, words of Sir Mix-a-Lot he wants to take a even white boy he wants to take a trip to Rio de Janeiro baby got back <laughs> oh god baby got back Sir Mix-a-Lot does not get enough credit for bending the arc of the moral universe towards justice yeah, that's that's fair. We are so Baby got so back, lot. did a lot. Supporters yeah. on this show. Yes, we salute you, sir. God. Yeah. I mean, God's general... what the film majors do. We set the record straight. You know? We're so good at that. <laughs> Thank you for letting me rant about this. Of yeah, course, you're absolutely general, right. I just think that the black community has been more on point about a lot of things. Wow. And uh, whites just ruin everything. I know. Crazy. There's <laughs> Crazy a how we keep theme. doing that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Hey, how oh, you man. Doing? Yeah, great. I was just thinking about how this movie and every movie in the early 2000s gave me an eating disorder. Wow. Yeah, it's fucked up. And yet it's still close to your heart, which I think speaks to how good it this sure film is. is. Well, you know, back in those days, a little quick side note, you know, when Titanic came out and, you know, in the early 2000s and Kate Winslet was going on all those like red carpets, I thought that she looked really beautiful. But every time, because, you know, when I would go to the grocery store with my mom, I would go to the magazine sections and I would like read the magazines and they'd always do the like best dress, do's and don'ts. And then they would also be like, this person's fucking fat. And like right. I look at them and I think to myself, I'm fat because I'm not thin, <laughs> you know. That's fucked. And uh, and so it's just like and it would, but the the thing that I always loved about Kate Winslet was that she at no point ever was like, oh, I need to go on a diet or anything. Kate Winslet always fucking like owned that shit. Um, but I, yeah, no, I did that, that time period is a dark, dark time for most girls who were growing up in like childhood and adolescence. Let me tell you. <laughs> and, uh, unfortunately, uh, that, that aesthetic is somehow coming back in. Yeah. Get the rid pendulum of it. is swinging back the other way. I will not Big allow mistake. this. Listen. Yeah. We cannot, I ref, in my review of this movie on Letterboxd, <laughs> I wrote, I refuse to go back. America yeah. as a no, country, I'm with you. we will not regret. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Baby got back. It would be Baby a mistake. It would be a mistake. Yeah. Wow. We've made Definitely. great strides in the past two decades. Yeah, no, I literally look at Bridget Jones now and I'm just like, girl, you look fine. She <laughs> you looks, look, in, she you looks look great, actually. She really yeah, looks great. I'm like, in this she, film. She's wearing these like mommy granny panties and I'm like, what are you even pulling in? <laughs> you know? Yeah, seriously. Like, I don't know, but also that is probably one of my favorite parts of the movie is when she like puts, she's like, she's like, if for whatever reason I do end up in flagrante, Surely these panties, and she holds up some thongs, and she's like, would be better at the crucial moment. But chance of actually getting to that point is probably helped by these. And she holds up these panties that are like, eat, Norman. They are massive. <laughs> yeah. And she goes to this thing. She does actually end up going home with Hugh Grant. And um, he does this whole thing where he's like, these are very silly little boots. And these are, this is a very silly, silly little, little dress. Skirt. And this, these are, panties. oh God, fuck me. Absolutely <laughs> enormous panties. And she's like, oh fuck. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm actually wearing something quite, quite similar. similar. Let me show yeah, you. And then he's like, he may be a sleazy He has his moments. <laughs> I, I made a note where I said, in my notes, I say, upon hearing Hugh Grant say, hello, mummy, I realize that this is going to be a horny fucking episode. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Hugh Grant, listen, he is a scumbag, but between the two men in this movie, I'm sorry. Hugh Grant's got fucking piping hot sex appeal. I, of course Curry. he does. That's okay. why you have him be so, Daniel Cleaver. There's there's not enough like male like male people in there to be like fuck Mary Kill, but like this if movie you did, does lack you would you would gaze. you would fuck Hugh Grant and you'd marry Darcy, obviously. Which is what and, happens. That's exactly and, what and happens. And the thing is, is that even if you knew originally that you wanna marry Darcy, you gotta fuck Hugh Grant first because you gotta take a dip in the lake, my boy. You gotta take you gotta <laughs> find out if the temperature's all right. You gotta try all what? the hors d'oeuvres. 
You two need to stop spending time together. That was an aquatic <laughs> metaphor. Oh, fuck! Alexis, I see you, and I love it. <laughs> you know why? Because I, I immediately thought of Colin first because he does actually play Mr. Darcy in the 1995 BBC like six yeah. episode adaption I'm, of Pride and Prejudice. I'm glad you brought that up. So funny, but yes. he does actually go for a dip in a lake. So I was really thinking of a lake. It's not the aquatic metaphors. It's Mr. Darcy. It's all around Mr. Darcy. Stop. It's always Mr. Darcy. It's for always you. Mr. Darcy. Uh, one <laughs> moment in this movie, we were talking about her with the panties. That the biggest laugh that came for me in this movie, because I I don't think I'm as hot on this movie as you guys. I did yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. But I didn't hear you laughing really hard when yeah. I was on FaceTime. But one bit that got me really good is the bit where she, uh, Bridget's prepping to go out and yeah. she's like waxing and shaving her legs and they're playing this music that sounds a lot like... Dun, yes. Dun, dun, dun. Like it sounds like the Bond theme. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's like high school. Very, music very almost. funny. Oh, it does. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to shout that bit out because that, that hit for me. Yeah. I, I Isn't love... it terrible about Chechnya? Chechnya. <laughs> I love the little moment in the lake, speaking of aquatic metaphors, where you see sure. Mark Darcy with his girlfriend, who, by the way, is Mrs. Honeypot, I think, from Matilda. Um, yeah, she is. Uh, I I don't know why maybe because much more likable character <laughs> much more likable character for sure, uh, but I just love the line. There once was a woman from Ealing who had a peculiar feeling. She sat on her back, spread open her crack, and pissed and all over pissed the ceiling. All over the ceiling. And then you cut <laughs> to Mark Darcy looking at that deplorable line and them giggling, and he just has this look of envy on his on his eyes where he's like, yeah, "Oh man, he's like, I oh, want they're that." Fun. Yeah, they yeah. look like they're having a good time, and uh, I just feel for the guy. My my favorite part of that scene is where Bridget is like clearly fucking dying, and she's like, "You stupid ass," yeah. you know, and he's just like fucking in the lake. Yeah, you with know? his cigarette. I don't know. I down. thought it was so cute. It is super also, cute. This movie does tie into terms of endearment because, in terms of endearment, Shirley MacLaine goes for a ride with Jack Nicholson with the fucking hood down. And yes. she brings a fucking scarf to try yeah. to keep her hair okay. And by the time she gets to the restaurant, her hair is fucking ruined. It's, Absolutely yeah. fucking ruined. She has to take off her fucking hair piece and just like her regular hair or whatever. And that's what happens to Bridget do you when they get th- there. Alexis, her hair do you is think like that is a direct blowout. nod to Terms of Endearment? Um, It might be, but I'm not quite sure what they would be trying to say. If they it were might not be saying anything other than, oh, hey, it's like that movie. Because that, I mean, who knows? Think, the yeah. rom-com of this level, that yeah. might just be enough motivation for them to do something like that. I th- I think that, like, based on what they were talking about in the movie, they were more trying to, like, do a riff and a joke about Grace Kelly. Because yeah. there's yeah. that, like, famous picture of Grace Kelly with, like, a scarf around her In head. the top down? Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and she's trying to look like Grace Kelly with her scarf and then... I think it's just, I think it's, I think in general, Bridget Jones's character does actually have a lot in common with Shirley MacLaine's character as the mom, where it's like, they want to be this very, they want to present this front that is more together than what they maybe really are or something. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. think I think this white cloth started to hit me because I haven't eaten anything really yeah. mostly today. I can, Other I can than tell the chips you ate during ling- the podcast. Your linguistics have changed slightly. They're all kind of blending in together. It's a good sound. 
I like it. <laughs> I think a line um, that really makes me laugh is just when she's scrolling through the television and it cuts to a nature documentary and the narration is, the male penetrates the female and leaves. Coitus is brief and perfunctory. I don't know. Yes. That line yeah. really gets me. When That's she's a good line. Sad. Yeah, that yeah. cracks me up. Her like flipping through channels and everything is making her sad. Yes, yeah. which reminds I, I me really, a little bit of Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. I, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hey, look at I was that. just watching a video on like why British, uh, like why American comedies should take um, a note, a leaf out of uh, what's his name. Edgar Wright. Oh, Edgar Wrights. Edgar Wrights, because the way that he presents things, instead of like just having like people improv with each other, yes. um, he's presenting Dude. situations and like visual aspects for cinema that are funny. That's in what I've been saying. That's why I've always said that Edgar Wright is so much better at making comedies and visual comedy than someone like Judd Apatow will ever be. It's one thing to just let your actors riff and improv and try to find the funniest take. But to have the real humor baked into the script, the timing, the cinematography, that I think is, I hate to say this, but that's elevated comedy. I, yeah, I think there's a, I think it's a Patrick H. Willems video essay that's all about about how Edgar Edgar Wright Wright uses cuts to be funny. Yes. No, I've seen that video. It's fantastic. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that yeah. might have been what I was watching, actually. It probably, yeah, it probably yeah. is. Or I think maybe like a we're all from it. referencing that one video essay. How we all agree with <laughs> yeah. it. I, I Patrick Keith Williams, uh, you, you're good. Yeah, uh, I believe he's doing uh, voice work on a podcast episode that we're going to have a uh, little promo spot in. That's oh, great. Oh, sweet. So, yeah, shout out to that. That's Hope right. We have enjoys, to record that after uh, this. That's right. Yes, we yeah. we should have a promo on the uh, new podcast, Are You Afraid of the Dark Universe? Uh, Great. So go ahead and check that out wherever you find your podcasts. All right. Okay, I feel like this movie was like a really good follow-up to It's a Wonderful Life because It's a Wonderful Life is a little bit more heavy on like the feels and just kind of like the commentary that it makes. And for me, Bridget Jones's Diary is always like something that I'm like, if I just don't know what to put on, I will put on Bridget yeah. Jones's Diary because I know that I, it will always get like a little laugh out of me and I'll always be a little, you know, amused by whatever the fuck she's got going on. It's My, a comfort movie. Yeah, it's, it's like, a comfort movie it is. for it's me. It's like Caperberry Gravy, just like they make in this film. It's the comfort food. Caperberry Gravy. Dude, that shit looked so rancid. Dude, yeah, looked British horrible. food always does. I, I, I don't even British. know. That. I was like, that is some I, good food props because it looks disgusting. I had no idea like what they even put in there to make it look that It looks like banana peppers or something. I don't know. I don't know, but I was like... <laughs> yeah, I know. Na- it is well done. Whoever did the food for this film... It gave film, you the big egg. It gave me the big egg. It always gives me the I big was egg. like, that gravy needs to be sieved. Egg. That gravy does need to be sieved for sure. Oh, that gravy needs some sieving for sure. Uh, <laughs> what was I thinking? Yeah, this, this was also a good pick for our last episode of the year because... I feel like there aren't a ton of New Year's movies. No, uh, but you know no. what else is a New Year's movie? New Year's Eve, which is bad. When Harry uh, Met when Sally. When Harry Met Sally, because it ends yeah. at New Year's. Yeah. yeah which I thought was a good tie-in well, you know, to It's a Wonderful Life, because Auld Lang Syne is what the song that plays at the end of yes. When Harry Met Sally and oh, It's a Wonderful Life. Alexis, nice. yeah. I'm glad you brought but, this up. Oh, sorry. If you have more to say, go for it. No, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, I'm glad you brought this up because um, I really like 
Bridget Jones's Diary. I really do. I think it's a tremendous yeah. comedy. I absolutely agree with you, Alexis. It's fantastic comfort food. But yeah. I I do have even though this movie does make me cry in the correct scenarios, like when the mother and father get back together and he goes, I'm that ki- is very I'm cute. kidding you cow or something like that and then they end no, up no he says me. he says i'm joking you daft cow, cow. that's I right i just don't work without you i know i love that line that's something i would do i would like fuck with the person be like, ah no i still love you like come yeah. in here because um, she's like she's like what do you think colin can we i know there's some genuine emotion in that scene and it's so sweet to watch yeah. and of course she's up top and she's like eavesdropping on it anyways yeah. that's neither here nor there uh dude the comedy of her mom is great no it she's fantastic again if you haven't seen the devils yet she's so good in that movie but uh no what i was gonna say is i love this film but it is decidedly unsentimental it it has emotion in it it has love in it but i think it is a romantic comedy comedy first romance second when harry met sally when harry met sally that is a romance first comedy second where i think the comedy it's obviously it's a hilarious though. film it but it comes opinion. in very organically I think the it's script woven is just into better. It. it is a better script yes yeah yeah but yeah fucking i mean nora, nora, nora runs Efron. the goddamn game she does but i mean nora's a queen but i'm not gonna like watch when harry met sally over and over and over again in the that same way that i watch bridget jones yeah that does also way. that does make you know? one of us I mean, I I hadn't really seen When Harry Met Sally until like a month ago, so that's kind of I actually it's funny When Harry Met Sally to me is kind of Bridget Jones's Diary to you, Alexis, where it's just something I'll yeah. put on if I ever just like want to feel like comforted and hugged, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. One thing. What did you you have something else to say? No, right? go for it. One thing that I think uh, is interesting to note now that we're in 2022, um, and I'm also you know not. A child anymore watching this movie is how prevalent sexual harassment is in the world of Bridget Jones and it's just treated as something entirely yeah. blasé and that just happens and even the stuff that happens between her and Hugh Grant's character is, ba- is basically no, especially. it's not just like it's exploitation yeah you know because when they're in the elevator with tits it. pervert or Fitz Herbert yeah. technically and he just yeah. grabs her ass even the writer yeah. of the books has commented on this saying that, yeah, like back then that was funny. It was just played off as a joke. So I guess I should say thank you, Me Too movement, for basically being like, oh, no, that's actually not, you know, funny. Not to be the thought police or anything like that, that. but to speak to the audacity of how that's actually not okay. That should not be played for laughs. That should be played for drama. You can see in like Bridget Jones's face, like how surprised she is, and obviously she's been fantasizing about this guy, so like she doesn't not want it. Yeah, but it's flirting, still completely but... inappropriate. Yeah, I mean he's her fucking boss. They're in a fucking elevator. There's no fucking you know informed consent that's happening there. Yeah. Um, and then ugh, fucking tits pervert. Fuck that guy. Yeah, tits pervert. Yeah. I love like, the music you, that comes under him every time. Why don't you introduce like, me Dude. first and then looks down at her breasts before he walks away? It's fucking disgusting. And yeah. then you have it's Uncle Jeff. It's the Jaws music, right? The Jaws music is kind of like under it. It's like. It might be. I didn't notice yeah, that. I but it, let's, it's, it's similar. It's definitely meant to evoke that. Yeah. Can we talk about Uncle Jeffrey for a second, though? Talk about uh, fucking sexual uh, harassment. Uh, little Bridget. Uh, oh, hey, 
Uncle Jeffrey? Talking about things in this movie that gave me the big fucking uh, Yeah, fuck Uncle Jeffrey, quote, actually not my uncle, someone who insists I call him uncle while he gropes my ass and asks me the question dreaded by all singletons. Love that word, by the way. So, yeah. how's your love life? Utterly yeah. disgusting. And of yeah. course, I miss yeah, the guy. first time I watched it that it's Uncle Jeffrey who decides to do the tarts and Vickers themed garden party. Yeah, and then conveniently doesn't tell Bridget or her father that they changed it yeah. at the last minute. Yeah, or a minute. few other guests, too, who are hiding behind bushes in shame. Let's not forget that. Yeah, and, you know, nobody's actually okay with the way that he is because he goes no. and he goes, bah, bah, and, like, grabs her little bunny tail, and his wife, Auntie Una, is like, oh, Jeffrey, stop it. You know, yeah. and even her mom like comes in and she's like, Jeffrey, stop it. You know, like everybody's like, please stop. But like at no point does this man ever fucking stop what he's doing. But, he's so gross. But I have to, I have to say one thing that's kind of clever. I don't know if it's clever, but I like it in the screenplay. Is it Uncle Jeffrey when she's like, so as this new boyfriend of yours and he and she says, oh, well, you know, he couldn't make it because he's working. And he goes, a likely story, probably running away to the next one. You find out that Uncle Jeffrey is right because one sleazy bastard knows another one when he sees it. And he's absolutely right. Uncle Jeffrey nailed it when he said, oh, a likely story. Because sure enough, Daniel Cleaver made up that whole story so he could go off and fuck with, uh, fuck, literally, Lara from New York, the skinny-ass American who's far less attractive. And literally says when she's sitting on the bathtub, oh, I thought you said she was thinner. Like, which oh. I made a note of, and I wrote, You're not fat, Bridget. You got a hot bod. Don't let that Twiggy bitch convince you otherwise. Yeah, fuck yeah. the Twiggy bitch. We're bitches. not body shaming anyone, no. but please, Bridget, love yourself more. Love your body. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, fuck, what was I? I was about to fucking say. Okay, so going back to how funny the mom is when she gets into that relationship with Julian, the jaundiced Julian. And uh, she yes. phones Bridget, phones Bridget and she's and she like, like, says, hey, you're like, like, what's going on? You know, what's going I, uh, <laughs> she's like, she's like saying, um, you know, no. oh, oh, she, she basically is like, like, oh, I'm not quite sure that Julian isn't actually kind of like a shit. Um, and then she says, the sex is still very surprising, though. You know, just the other day I was dozing off and I felt a huge something. And she's like, mom. I gotta go. And she's like, oh, okay, well, you see you. Yeah. But it's just like the delivery of the line was just so, is she's always so, so perfect to me. Cause I'm always just like, oh no. <laughs> or the fucking, the have it off <laughs> with the wisecrack egg beater. Yeah. Uh, can we just, I just want to highlight really quickly how when you first see the mother character in the wide, yeah. when the camera moves inside, you first meet her at the doorway when it's the turkey curry christmas party or whatever they film it they film it at a dutch (laughs) angle which is interesting why do they film it at a dutch angle well probably because uh one of the first lines the mother has is by the way the darcy's are here they brought mark with him you remember mark he used to play in the paddling pool he's a barrister very well off he's divorced apparently his wife was japanese very cruel race Literally, yeah. Oh yeah, that was the first note I made. Moments later, she says, "Is that what you're wearing? Don't be ridiculous. You want to get a boyfriend and not look like you just wandered out of Auschwitz." Now, 
Guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I missed that line. Oh, you <laughs> did? Oh, yeah. Let's I just hear talk it about very loud every time. For a second, how oh. not, that has not aged well, but because of how no! poorly it has aged, it... it's like almost even more hilarious. Because I think even at the time they were it's writing supposed that to, to be highlight offensive. how out of I, the I, time yeah, she is. Uh, yeah, it's supposed to be offensive. It's like coming yes. home and it's like, oh, yeah, your parent is just yeah, fucking exactly. casually racist and yes. now you got to fucking put up with it. And then she goes to go change into whatever her mom like laid out for her and she comes downstairs. She's and looking like a carpet. Literally one of the ugliest fucking things she I've ever like seen. And she's like, great. And I was wearing a carpet. <laughs> and she's not wrong. That literally looks like the costume designer made that out of quilted fabric. She yeah. probably did. Yeah. She probably yeah, read that note saying, I look like carpet. And she was like, oh, fuck, I can't wait to make this dress. Literally goes oh out, buys God, a rug, so cuts ugly. some sleeves into <laughs> like, it. I have no, I'm like, whoever would have worn something like that? It literally looks like the fabric of a blanket. Yeah. Which I love but, the shot of where you finally meet Mark, not finally, it's the beginning of the movie, but you, you meet Mark Darcy and he turns around and there he is, Colin Firth. Mr. Darcy from the BBC series. Maybe he's Mr. Right. And he and the camera then pans down to this horrible Rudolph the Reindeer sweater, which is such Maybe a good not. laugh. Such a good <laughs> yeah. laugh. I love that. I Maybe love that not. they're playing on audience expectations because they already know what the audience is aware of. Because yeah. I didn't know this, but one of the original uh, screenplay writers on this film was the showrunner of the BBC miniseries Pride and Prejudice. Oh, shut up. Yes. Really? Oh. And Hugh Grant didn't like the script, so he made a, uh, a stipulation that I will only be in this to play Daniel Cleaver if I have one of my other writer buddies come in and do a rework on the script. You can probably guess that he did because Hugh Grant's in the film. Mm -hmm. But that was an interesting note. Yeah. I didn't know that the, one of the screenwriters on this was from the BBC series. That's a fun fact. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I have, other, I have other fun facts related to this film. I'll, I'll shout them out whenever you're <laughs> ready so for them. He's so prepared. Well, one thing that I'd just like to say about this movie is like, I wish we could get back to a time where a movie like this comes out and it's got this sort of a cast. We've got two people who have won either Best Actor or Best Actress yeah. in the like, like, leading roles of this, like, 90-minute rom-com. Yeah. And I wish we could get back to a time where you could make a movie like this, attach those kinds of stars, release it in theaters, and have it be a hit. Because nowadays, well, this sort of movie would come out I on Netflix. I think Sandra Bullock actually that's wrote why like I a like whole the article Lost City. on... That's why I... That, yeah, that's right. Sandra Bullock, she yes. did this whole article interview where she talked about the 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 modern rom-com instead. Yeah. That's, um, why I, how... that's why I championed The Lost City on my letterbox reviews because what you're describing, Zach, is exactly what The Lost City was. Channing Tatum, yeah. Brad Pitt, Sandra Bullock, Daniel Radcliffe, all starring in a big-budget rom-com, and no one fucking went and saw it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fun. It was fun. I'm not going to lie. Like, our audience had a fucking blast. That's right. Yeah, no, it was really <laughs> yeah. fun. That was a good That was yeah. a good picture. But I agree so with you, Zach. Ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and Renee Zellweger was nominated for an Academy Award for her role as Bridget Jones. She lost to Halle she? Berry. I did not know that. Yeah. She, oh, she, for she, Monsters Ball? For Mo I haven't seen Monsters Ball. Have you seen that? I haven't that? seen Monsters Ball. Okay. Uh, no, I have not. But Actually, yeah. no, I take that back. I have seen it, and I was viscerally uncomfortable <laughs> okay 
Good to know. <laughs> but how often um, are people nominated for best uh, for the best actor category from a comedy? That seems like never. it's also from a bygone era. Yeah, that's I true. think it'll probably happen this year with um, Michelle Yeoh and everything everywhere. Oh once. yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's a rarity. Yeah, you know, and I don't even know if I would general. qualify that as a comedy. That's a comedy. It's, it, a comedy. it's comedic. I don't think it's a comedy. That's a comedy. I think it's That's comedic. A I think it's a comedic. For sure, a comedy. I think it's a comedic adventure action film. <laughs> no, I don't think it's a comedy. a comedy. It is a comedy. It's a genre comedy. It's but less it's a of a comedy say, than Bridget Jones's Diary. That's for sure. And she still got nominated for best ca- uh, best uh, actress for that one. So I think I don't know. I don't really know exactly what we're arguing about right now, but. I'm having oh, a great time. it's because we thought you were talking about Bridget Jones's diary, not everything everywhere all at yeah, once. Yeah, no, everything everywhere all at once I don't think is a comedy. It's funny, but it's not a comedy. Yeah, I'm not quite sure if it's necessarily like a comedy. Anyways, um <laughs> one of the things that I absolutely <laughs> one of the things that I absolutely love <laughs> about Bridget Jones's diary Hit us, Alexis. is, what is um is the 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 um the confession it's probably one of my favorite parts of the movie it's is how sweet. um yeah like you know she thinks that this guy fucking hates her he thinks that she he she thinks that he thinks that like she is beneath him well, at this of, point yeah you know? one of the things that he says about her at that initial party is that she is a verbally incompetent spinster which who like, smokes like a chimney, drinks like a fish, and dresses like her mother. Yeah. Damn. Like the burn. Yeah, Mr. Oh. Darcy continues to be Mr. Darcy. He puts his foot in his fucking mouth. Yeah. Yeah. But then at that at the the dinner party that they go to that Bridget has been dreading because it's literally just all married couples. And I do love the comedic kind of like thing where it's like all these couples, they look alike, they smile the same, and they're all of their greetings are like almost the same. And that's kind of I don't know, like the vibe of like uh couples in general, I think, from this era where it's like, oh, they've been together so long that they've started to merge into one being, like the thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um but it's a great analogy. That's a fucking That's an great excellent analogy. reference, I Alexis. I <laughs> thank you, love thank that. you. Sick reference, bro. Your references are out of control. Everybody's They're totally it. tubular, um, my dude. A yeah, but so like she's like trying to leave and uh Mark comes down the stairs and he's like trying to stop her and she's like what what like what the fuck do you want? And he's like, "Oh, I I like you." And she's like, "Okay, well Oh yeah, she yeah, he tells her that uh, you know, I don't know. Well, you know, your your mother's pretty interesting, you know, you're terrible at public speaking and all these different things and she's just and he's like, "But what I'm trying to say is that I like you." And she says, "Oh yeah, apart from this, this, this and this." He's like, like, "No, no, no, no. Like I like you exactly very much, as you just are. as you are." Yeah. And my mom, that's probably the reason why my mom loves this movie so much yeah. is for that line. And then she's itself. having she dinner with her friends later and she's thing. talking about yeah. how, oh God, I hate this guy. He does this and does that. And then he said this thing and her uh, musical pop idol star of a friend was like, right. And the guy who said this, this is the guy you hate, right? She's like to like, try yeah. to hint to him like that is one of the sweetest things I've ever heard. Uh, yeah. Great moment. Great, great moment. Yeah. 
another thing that is perfect in this movie is the fight sequence that they do. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because we were right, Alexis. Okay. Yes, because so originally they had somebody to choreograph the fight, but Colin Firth and Hugh Grant both agreed that these guys are gentlemen. They would not be fighters. They would probably not even know how to fight. Just so, just let us do our own thing. Yeah. And that fight in that movie is exactly what they would do in real life. It's apparently. so good. I made a note that I could take either of these British men bl- blindfolded with two broken legs. Like, yeah, they, they it's are so funny. Just I mean, flailing about. I think it's that as well. It. But at the same time, I also am not a fighter. So if I were to have a fight you with still these guys, could. it might still be the exact same thing. Nah, Mick, because you know why? You're not British. <laughs> I've seen a British person in a fight and he got his ass kicked. Really? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> I didn't know that this was a thing. Yeah, they're not a tough people. They're yeah. not a tough people. And yet, I mean, yeah. uh, there's some that I wouldn't want to take on necessarily. Maybe the women. I don't know if I, I would want to take. I on wouldn't on want to fight with Tom Hardy. Take... I wouldn't <laughs> want to fight with Tom Hardy. <laughs> That's fair. It's literally That's what I was fair. about to say. I mean, I would still be bottom, but I still wouldn't want to fight. Him. <laughs> I would take him, but just not in a fight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that's that classic filmmaker. Meanwhile, my parents are in the other room listening to do this right now. I love you guys. They're like, Mick, bottom what? (laughs) The bottom of what? Bottoms up. (laughs) Oh, your bottom is up. Oh, yes, sure is. What else is new? It's McGee. We're. we're dragging into the into the hour and a half zone. Shut up! No, That's because so, someone oh, well, was we, late. It's because we had to like yeah. know, stop and stuff. Okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna clear it up right now. Um, Let's get into cute. some final thoughts. It's cute. That's all that I gotta say. It is cute. Yeah, Mick. Uh, I will agree. It's a cute film. Uh, it's a great time. Apparently, there is a fourth one in the works now, as reported by Yahoo Entertainment oh last God. month. I did not know that this was a trilogy originally, which, by the way, made history as the first trilogy ever done all by women as directors. I haven't oh, seen. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. I haven't seen the sequels yet. I, I have seen the sequel, but I didn't. I never saw the third movie. Well, you haven't seen Bridget Jones's Baby. I have not seen Bridget Jones's Baby. Me neither. Because there's no Hugh Grant. Yeah. I know. Okay. They, rep- they replaced and... him with Patrick Dempsey. And I was like, boo. But buckle up, That's not what heads. I want. There's a fourth one on no, the way. No, Mr. Mungo? Yeah, we need the Mungo. <laughs> yeah, and we also... We need Mungo Grant on the case. My last, exactly. little, my last little fun fact is apparently this movie was uh, attributed or blamed, however you want to put it, as uh, the source of massively declining sales of Chardonnay. Uh, prior to this film, Chardonnay was considered sexy, but after this film, only red wine was interest was uh was in in the vogue so apparently why because she drinks she, so- she drowns red wine women all around the world only wanted to drown themselves or their sorrows in red wine after this movie came out and wanted nothing to do with chardonnay so there you go oh that's crazy i didn't know that i mean i i myself i prefer red wine i, I prefer like red wine as all. well yeah we're yeah. a red wine podcast yeah yeah, yeah that's right bitch, if anyone listening so... fuck white wine Red yeah. wine. If you want to be a sad bitch like us, drink red wine. You need <laughs> the tannins. This episode is brought to you by red wine. <laughs> that should be your first New Year's resolution, folks, is more tannins in your life. 
Uh, yeah, this is brought to you by Menage a Trois. Have a Menage a Trois. Yeah, <laughs> like Bridget Jones in this Just movie. like the filmmakers. Because we are a Menage a Trois. We are a Menage a Trois. I mean, like, it's Mick's more... Yeah, I was about to say, Mick, Mick is kind of our tether. <laughs> That's true. I was... Yeah, I was listening to a prior episode where we were talking about subleasing Mick's ass. <laughs> and Which, I by the died. way, there's still open vacancy. <laughs> there, yeah, sure. I it's mean, if you can fit them, wide open vacancy, <laughs> folks. Well, I think that could probably bring us to the end of Bridge Jones' sure, diary. A walk-in yeah. closet over here. All right. Wow. Well, I'd just like to say we're at the end of 2022, <laughs> and all of you, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We've honestly, it's been performing very well. Thank you for actually giving a shit about what we have to say. Yeah, I'm digging it. I mean, honestly, if if I ever get paid to just shoot the shit with you guys, I think that might be a dream come true. Hell yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say that it's necessarily my goal. I'm keeping this as just something that I'm really enjoying doing. And it's it's pretty much the only creative, consistent thing that I have in my life. So I'm really holding on to it. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, it's been a blast for me, and uh, yeah, more great things to come in the new year. Next month, we can officially announce January is going to be our 2022 recap month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for our first episode of the year, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, we are going to run through our own personal top 10 lists of the year, and our subsequent episodes, each of us is going to pick a movie that we want to talk about from this past year. So, yeah, we don't we don't have a streaming service to tell you guys to go to for uh, new releases. For, yeah, this <laughs> this next episode because we're going to be talking about a lot of movies. Yeah, but they're gonna. I mean, it's only going to be like what hour, hour and a half of us just kind of recapping some 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 lists and stuff and things we liked about them. So. It might be a long episode. Who's to say? You never know. Who knows? I've got a lot to say. You always have a lot to say. That's true. That's why I'm doing this. Uh, Yeah, well, if uh, you guys want to find us on social media, you can find us at Pod on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And, uh, yeah, we've gotten a couple of listener emails this year. This is my... Goal for the new year, so please do not let me down, guys. Yeah. Send us more listener emails. We wanna we wanna interact. We wanna hear from the people who are hearing us. Uh, yeah. our email is filmmakerspod at gmail.com. So yeah, uh, Yeah, especially since the year is coming to a close. If you do actually go and see any new movies during the year, like shoot us your like top few movies of the year that could be fun we would like to discuss them and and, critique uh, them see if anything lines up yeah critique if you critique us we'll critique you so please yeah stab me in the heart i'll shoot an arrow back there you go (laughs) all righty and on that note let's get our tits tatting on out of here that's right have a happy new year's everybody